And that doctor said to me, you know, we probably need to deal with some of this PTSD um, before we can, you know, like I can address some of this, but we probably need to deal with some of that baggage. And I thought, you're all wet. You have no idea. You know, like I am a new creation in Christ. When I came to the Lord at 15, old ways passed away, new ways are come. I am like shellacked, like nonstick coding, you know, like that stuff doesn't stick to me. And I walked in that from much of my motherhood. I, I fully believed that it didn't touch me. On Life Repurposed, you'll find a blend of practical wisdom and biblical inspiration that's designed to help you navigate everyday life with faith, purpose, and hope. We focus on personal and spiritual growth with a range of topics from improving your relationships and discovering your purpose to setting and achieving goals, plus tools and resources to help you live your repurposed life. I'm your host, Michelle Rayburn, the author of books and Bible studies about finding hope in the trashy stuff of life. I'd like to introduce you to Pam Fields. She's the wife of Andrew, mother of nine, and grandmother of four. She's always had a heart for encouraging moms in their walk with the Lord and in their mothering journey. She enjoys sharing testimonies on her podcast, The Mom Next Door, Stories of Faith. When Pam has some free time, you can find her at Coffee with Friends or planning her next family gathering at their home in Tennessee. Let's jump into my conversation with Pam Fields. Pam, welcome to the podcast. I'm so happy to be here. Looking forward to it. So our paths crossed as podcasters. I think that was the first time, mm-hmm. maybe the first time we saw each other face to face was on a Zoom meeting and here we are on Zoom again. But I also think I had discovered you somehow just searching for mom resources at some point because um, your podcast was very familiar to me when we first met. So what I'd like to do today as we get started is do things a little bit in reverse. My listeners know that often I start with telling your story and we get into how God has repurposed that. I want to start in reverse and I want you to tell me a little bit about your ministry, Pam. Okay. Well, uh, a few years ago when I became a grandma, um, yeah, it's been about six years since I became a grandma and some of the some children, I I shouldn't say that some of the young adults (laughs) in my life uh, who were becoming moms were saying, you've raised a lot of children and we need help as we start out our road to motherhood. You need to help mentor us in motherhood. And I thought I have no idea how to do that or what, you know, like I could just have everybody over all the time and that's possible. (laughs) What does that look like? And I found myself Googling what is a blog after that was suggested. And, and then I had one of these young ladies help me set up a blog. And uh, so that is kind of where that journey began as far as official ministry. And uh, I started blogging uh, a little bit. I have to say that um, I, there was a lot of technicality stuff that I didn't (laughs) fully understand or embrace Uh, after being a stay-at-home mom for a few decades. um, I just hadn't had a lot of interaction with a computer, to tell you the (laughs) truth. And so uh, it was a huge learning curve for me. I do still have it, but I actually don't type in and update the blog very often. Uh, What I'm active on is a mom's group on Facebook. Uh, I have an Instagram where I like to connect with moms. And but a lot of my ministry takes place 
on a Facebook group. And I like to gather with women there or in person where I live and, and just speak into mom's lives and encourage them through, you know, the logistics, like the physical, like laundry and how do you deal with a picky eater and what is this homeschooling thing? Or maybe, you know, I just don't know how to show love to my children or how to receive love from my children or my husband. Um, so just some of those logistical things we talk about and maybe that explains what I do a little bit. You said you're a grandma, but you also still have a nine-year-old, right? Yes. Well, he did just turn 10. 10? Yes. <laughs> so um, I do have nine children. My oldest is 27. My youngest is 10. And I have four grandchildren from the ages of six to one. So uh, when my little guy became an uncle, he was three and a half. <laughs> so it has been like a beautiful transition from you know, I never, I'm probably never going to experience the empty nest. You know, in a few weeks, my daughter and her husband are going out of town. We'll have four little kids staying with us for a week. And uh, then little uncle gets to <laughs> decide if he wants to share with his nieces and nephews because they're so close in age. So yeah, it it is a, it's a fun time, um, an interesting transition into that next phase of life because- yeah. I am the age of a lot of empty nesters and a lot of us who are are looking at this change of season of life, but I do still have young children in the home. Mm -hmm. That makes you an expert on so many things. So it makes you somebody who can speak into all those practical mom things and give those tips, but also you've been through all the stages. So I love that that brings you that level of expertise. And so you, the the ministry that you started in the Facebook group, what is that called? Facebook, it's called Tending Fields Moms Group. Really okay. practical, I guess. <laughs> Simple. And then you also have a podcast. And we're going to talk about that at the end of the show today. So we'll be talking about that as a resource for listeners, because I know that if somebody's listening to this podcast, they're going to be looking for other ones. And we'll tell you about Pam's. But um, Pam, when you started the ministry, I know you said that you had friends encouraging you to do that. But what was there inside of you that was like kind of a motivation when they said you should do this, what was it inside of you that said, yes, I should? Well, I think that coming into motherhood, uh, everybody has a different experience coming into motherhood because we all have different histories. We mm -hmm. all, you know, come from a different frame of reference. And I felt like when I hit motherhood, um, I, I really was lost. I, I didn't really know how to do it. Um, I, I was an excellent babysitter. I, I went to babysitting classes, CPR classes. I had a, a box of tricks, kind of like Mary Poppins. And when I would go <laughs> babysit, here comes Pam with her shoebox full of stickers and glitter glue and, you know, all the things. And, and I'd show up and, and I would do that. And then I'd go home. But when I became a mom, I kind of realized that it was all on me all day, every day. And though when I was a babysitter, I could just feed them ramen and some <laughs> hot dogs. Um, this full-time motherhood thing was a little more intense. And I was now like, I have to take responsibility to, for medical decisions, mm -hmm. for educational decisions, for all of these big things. And I felt very unprepared, uh, very overwhelmed. 
And I don't believe that I was equipped to do those things. And so any success that I have is glory to God and a a hard fought fight, um, but a blessing that he put people and books and uh, back then messages on cassette tape into my life to help instruct me and teach me to be a mom. And so that being my story and now being in that next phase of life, Mm -hmm. I'm like, that's what I want to do. That's my heart is to find those moms who are looking for all the pieces. And it's really hard sometimes to be vulnerable and say, I have no idea what I'm doing. They just sent me home from the hospital with this child, or I'm fostering this child and jumping into motherhood at the age of seven or, you know, whatever. And I have no idea what I'm doing and I don't have any place to ask. So I know this is a really question I should know the answer to, but can I ask you anyway? You know, and I want to be a sounding board for that. And um, I also love bringing on other older moms with me who I have recognized to be an encouragement to my heart. And I've like asked them, join me on this mom's group because I, we need like a whole band of us. We need like a bunch of us from a lot of different perspectives, um, Bible based to breathe into these moms. And so, yeah, that's kind of my history as to why I'm doing what I'm doing. So many of us can relate to that feeling of being sent home from the hospital with a baby and not knowing what to do. But not all of us have the foundation that everyone else does. Sometimes we have a mom who role modeled it for us, or we were part of a church community of people who were role models for us. And then there are many people who I meet who didn't have those role models who have really struggled because they're trying to overcome some hardship from the past while they're also trying to be a mom to kids. And so I'd like to have you talk a little bit about your story because I know as a podcaster you're often telling other people's stories and you're helping moms and so you have such a heart for helping people but it's not as often that you're on the other side of the microphone. So I'd love to know a little bit more about the household you grew up in, a little bit about your faith background and how that impacted you as a mom today. Yeah, well, I I grew up with a pretty complicated story. And, you know, I'm 51. And so I grew up as one of that, uh, we called it the latchkey kid generation, right? So my mom was at work full time. She was a nurse and put in many, many long hours to provide for our family. Uh, She was married up until the day when my dad passed away. Uh, but we grew up in a very dysfunctional home. I, when I say we, I have an older sister and a younger brother and, uh, it it was tough now that I look back as an adult, you know, as a child, you just have your life and you don't realize the situation you are in. Uh, but now as a parent, as an adult, I look back and I realize that it was pretty messed up. I'm just going to jump in here for a second. Right here, Pam started to tell me that she didn't have a lot of memories from her childhood. And then she realized she needed to rewind a bit and go back to tell us a little bit about how her parents met and how their relationship started. So that's where we're picking up again in the conversation. My parents met and married at a summer camp. And uh, he was a lifeguard. She was the camp nurse. They fell in love and they decided to be missionaries. And so 
they wanted to work with North American Indians. And so I grew up kind of on some Indian reservations and, and doing some missionary type work. My dad was an ordained minister. And so that was part of their story, which obviously led into mine. And so part of their ministry was ministering to young adults. And at one point, they decided to have a halfway house and runaway center. And in that, we had different people live with us for my childhood. Uh, this halfway house that we lived in, the upstairs was our family quarters. The main level was where our um, kitchen and dining room. And, you know, we had a VHS machine back <laughs> in the day, and that was like a pretty big deal. We had a pool table. And and then in the basement is where the residents lived. And, and so I grew up in this halfway house. And uh, my dad did counseling, and he was a full-time pastor, uh, missionary, supported by a lot of churches even. And I grew up folding the letters and uh, licking the stamps <laughs> and sending out the whole, you know, missionary support letter to, to abbreviate that. Um, everything kind of came to a crash the summer between my eighth and ninth grade year when my dad was arrested on charges of furnishing alcohol to minors, furnishing pornography to minors and sodomy with a minor. And uh, I do remember a lot more probably about those years. Uh, we got out of school one day so that we could go to the court hearing and, and be there to show that my dad was a family man. He had children and uh, he ended up being released and never spent any time in jail and the charges were dropped. But even at that age, I knew it was true. Uh, I knew that the things that I had seen as a child did reflect this. Um, I remember in second grade, our family game night was a Ouija board. My dad passed pornography around to us as children, and I, I hated it. Mm. Um, we were given alcohol just to try out. You know, I think my dad uh, did not want his children to be raised in the stigma or stereotype mm -hmm. of pastor's kids or missionary mm -hmm. kids. And so he went completely opposite. And as he counseled people uh, in our halfway house, he he became sucked into some of the lifestyle of how he made them feel welcome. And, uh, you know, years later, he struggled with some addiction issues. So um, and not just years later, in my young mm -hmm. childhood, even some of those addiction issues were there and present. Eighth and ninth grade is a really tough age already. So I'm wondering, what was that like for you to have this collision between growing up in a faith background, having this incident happen, the courtroom, all of that? What was that like for you as that preteen? How did that affect you? Wow. I, I don't think anybody's ever asked me that question mm. before. <laughs> so, um, you know, I it, it is interesting because in some regards, it was a faith-based home, mm -hmm. right? We, uh, But we didn't go to church every week. My dad wasn't a pastor of an actual established church. He would do some itinerant work where we'd go in and he would preach for one Sunday, pass the back basket, and uh, people would donate money for our mission. But 
I knew what was happening behind closed doors. So I don't feel like I was raised in a Christian home because the truth of what was happening in our home was not what I believe is a church life. Um, I don't know if that makes sense. It does make sense. Yeah. Where did you find a path of faith then forward? Like when, when were you introduced to truth? Well, uh, it's kind of a funny story in that. Uh, so my grandmother, my dad's mom had sent me to church camp a few years, like right around there, seventh grade, eighth grade. Uh, and then the summer between ninth and 10th grade. Uh, so we're a couple years removed from my dad's arrest and all that. And um, I had been at this Christian summer camp for a couple years, but that summer when I turned 15, I, I really just broke down. I, I looked at the people around me at this camp and the life that they had and the relationship and the hope that they had. And I wanted that. And I remember sitting with one of the um, leaders that was there and just totally surrendering my life to Christ and feeling like, I don't care what my parents do. I don't care what my dad does. I don't care about what anybody else does. I'm going to follow Jesus. So I had a best friend at camp with me that week. And the following week, we were going to go camping together. And so when we went camping, uh, there was this group of really cute guys at, <laughs> at the lake, out on the boat, and uh, then they invited us to a campfire. <laughs> and we were like, oh my goodness, this is amazing. <laughs> and uh, so we went to the campfire with these guys, and then they invited us to church. And uh, so we thought, well, that would be a church worth going to, right? <laughs> and um, it turned out it was actually my grandmother's Aww. church. And uh, so I started spending the night with my grandma on Saturday nights. I loved my grandma. She was so precious to me. She's the one that sent me to camp. And and I she was just really my safe place growing up. And so I would spend the night with her on Saturday. And Sunday, we'd go to church. And uh, I started to go to the youth group. And it was still a secret. I didn't tell my parents I was going to church. Um, by that time, my dad, after the arrest, had been dropped as far as uh, uh, any role in mm -hmm. missions and any support as a missionary. And that is one of the churches that dropped his support. And so I knew that and kind of protected that as um, something I didn't really want my parents to know mm -hmm. that I was going to church there. And then uh, finally, when I wanted to go on a youth group retreat, I signed their names on the permission <laughs> slip. And I got caught. So uh, so I finally had to fess up and and tell them that my rebelliousness as a child, uh, I'm going to church. <laughs> and, and it's not the church you want me to go to, but that's where I'm going. It's like reverse rebellion. <laughs> I know. I know. It is. So anyway, so that's from then on, you know, my youth pastor and his wife just just embraced me. And poured into me, my youth group, not just the the pastor and his wife, but all of the leaders. And, and that is really where I just learned to seek the Lord. Um, a few years later, as I graduated high school, I went back and worked at that summer camp for three years. And um, yeah, then it was there at that camp where I realized 
you know, maybe I should do something as far as education and uh, went on to be a dental assistant, then ended up meeting my husband. So, you know, that's kind of a quick overview, I guess. We always have to do the nutshell version on podcasts. It's so hard because yeah. it's like there's so many yeah. layers to our stories. But I don't mm -hmm. know if the listener could hear the change in your voice when you started to talk about your grandmother and going to church. But you're, even if I couldn't see you on the screen right now, I heard a change in your voice. I heard mm. the hope there. And I got a chill just listening to you talk about that hope. When obviously we're fast forwarding. So as you grow in faith and, and you uh, eventually become a mom after you got married um, and then ended up with nine <laughs> children. How did you then, I mean, to me, I'm seeing the threads of connection between the ministry you have to moms and wanting something different. But I'd love to have you tell your version of that story of how you minister to people differently now because of your own path. Well, I think... Uh, because of that generation I was raised in, that latchkey kid generation, um, I really didn't see motherhood modeled. Um, of course, I was gone at school all day. And then when I came home, we just put the casserole in the oven that mom left for us to heat up. And sometimes she got home late in the evening. It, it just kind of depended. And, and my dad's situation was so strange and, and unique. Um, he really wasn't parenting us. I really feel like I parented myself in a lot of regards. Um, even when I walked down the aisle, I walked down the aisle by myself, mm. uh, you know, and, and that was just one of those things where I, I really felt like um, I didn't have, uh, I mean, we all have an example and a model of parenting, but it's not always when we'd want to replicate. Mm -hmm. Right. And and I think that in my decision at the age of 15 to live my life differently than my parents, um, I was kind of left without a standard. I, I was left without a, um, a role model to replicate. Like, what do I do? How do I be a mom? I, I can keep them alive, but oh, we all take pieces of what we receive from our parents and then turn those into something maybe different. Maybe we do some things the same. Um, but in that journey, I see that you have such a heart for encouraging and equipping people and um, almost like, well, it's the Life Repurposed podcast. So to me, I see from the outside that you took what, you know, the Bible talks about the enemy meant for evil and you turned it to good in what you're doing with other people and encouraging other moms and doing it in a real and vulnerable way. I don't know if that's an accurate depiction of your story. That's me summarizing. Well, and it's a work in progress because, you know, my whole story is, is not yet mm -hmm. out there. And, you know, I'm, I'm coming to grips with and learning parts about my own story and my own childhood and, and all those things. But, you know, and when I look back about, you know, as I was kind of coming to grips of motherhood and how to manage this, I've just got to tell you, uh, this is this is where I was, okay, to where I am now. I, I had this point when um, I had my second child, and they were about 17 months apart. And um, I had to make a phone call to my husband because I wasn't really sure what to do with that little boy who's about 
you know, just under two, maybe he was just two. I had this little infant girl who needed to, to nurse and do all those things be taken care of. But this little boy was just on wheels <laughs> and he was all over the place. Never stopped talking, never stopped moving. And I, again, had not seen different creative modeling done. So I call my husband and I say, I don't know what to do with him anymore. What do you mean? I said, I have no idea. I, I, I'm, I've tried everything I know. Of course, at that point, I'd only practice this motherhood stuff, of course, as a babysitter, right? So I'm out of my tricks. And my little Mary Poppins bag, it's not working anymore. Here, Pam gave an example. And for the sake of time, I'm not going to share the entire interview that we had together. But I do want you to hear Pam's heart as we continue the conversation after she shared a story with me. My run into motherhood, it was like, okay, yes, I do need to learn some things. And and I don't, that's those practical things in life, you know, like the, some of those practical steps, like how do you keep them busy, you know? Mm-hmm. And, um, and so that instruction was necessary for me. As much as we say that motherhood is instinctual and you'll just know what to do and, and it'll just, you know, we think that it's going to come naturally mm-hmm. and it might for some. You know, it might, it might, um, but it doesn't for everybody. And sometimes that is the modeling. Sometimes it's, you know, all sorts of reasons that mm-hmm. can be. But for me, I felt like um, my entrance was kind of a crash course in motherhood. And uh, so, so that's where I started to go. You know, I, I'm, I need to learn more. And uh, so at that point we had the the two-year-old, the little infant. And a few years later I had twins. Oh my goodness. And that was, they were born on April fool's day. What a wonderful <laughs> day to have twins. And uh, so they were, my oldest was still three when the twins were born. So I had four, three and under for a little while. And then we took a little break and we had baby number five because we had realized if they all came in about four years, someday they'd all leave in about four years. <laughs> and we would be pretty young and we might be bored and we might need, you know, a little entertainment in our older years. So we decided to have that one more, that one last one. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, when she was born, I kind of smashed again. I, I really hit the wall again. I was overwhelmed. Now the oldest was eight at this point but still five that were eight and under. Mm-hmm. And and it was sadly right about the same time that Andrea Yates hit the news mm-hmm. um, for her situation in the bathtub with her five children. Mm-hmm. And I felt it. I, I felt it. That overwhelm. Oh, yeah. For those of you who are not familiar with Andrea Yates, she is a woman from Texas who confessed to drowning her five children in their bathtub. And she had had severe postpartum depression, postpartum psychosis, and schizophrenia, which led up to the murders of her children. It was a really sad case that made the news. And a lot of moms could relate to that sense of overwhelm and not knowing what to do. I, 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 realized again, I was in over my head and I made another call to my husband. And I said, that lady on the news, I get it. Mm -hmm. I understand. And I know exactly 
what she was feeling and I'm scared. Mm -hmm. And my husband said, I'm on my way home. Mm -hmm. Uh, Let's figure out what we need Mm -hmm. and let's get you through this. And so we got a house cleaner once a week to come in and just kind of help me pick up on stuff. And we got a babysitter once a week so that I could go to the grocery store because up until that point, my trips to the grocery store was one baby strapped on my body, one baby in the car seat, in the stroller or in the cart, and then two little kids holding on the side. And there was no room even to put food, right? Mm -hmm. By the time I I took my whole entourage, um, I, I was just having trouble managing those logistics and not only those logistics, but my heart and my emotions and that overwhelm. And so I get it. I get that in the trenches, heartache, but yet also joy and pure love for my children and wanting the best for my children. You know, it's such a balance that it, it, how do you prepare for motherhood? I don't know. I mean, like, can can you prepare accurately? Like, don't have a child until you're 100% prepared. Good luck. Hmm. I still wouldn't have any. (laughs) Oh, I know. I know. And so what do we need to do instead? Mm -hmm. When we have those children, we need to lock arms with other moms. Mm -hmm. We need to find older women. We need to... To, to really encourage one another. And we need to be one another support system. Yes, you have your husband to support you, but his relationship is different, you know? Mm-hmm. And 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 even that, we, we do all have moms and some, well, not all of us have moms, but sometimes, you know, most of us have moms and, and there might be an assumption, you have a mom, so she's going to teach you and train you. But that's not always the case, geographically, mm-hmm. relationally, all the different reasons. And we will not, ever know exactly what somebody else's situation is. Mm -hmm. And so we need to be rising up as older women and be prepared to speak truth because we never know who's that mom. Like I was at that ugly point, either when my son was two or when I had that fifth baby where I was totally overwhelmed. And, you know, I have to tell you that that point with that daughter, my fifth baby, that was my point of absolute surrender to the Lord. I, I looked at those babies. I, I just cried. And I said, Lord, I, I don't know what I'm doing. And I might be able to manage this logistically on a chart, you know, like I might be able to pull this out in my own strength, but it it's might be pretty ugly. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I need you to step in in and raise these children for me. I will be the hands and I will be the feet. I will cook the meals. I will, you know, sign them up for ballet and clean the toilets. But I need you to raise these children with me and partner with me and teach me what to do because I'm at a loss. I'm at a complete surrender and I give my children to you. And at that point, once I, I was able to surrender them completely to that. And I didn't surrender them until I reached the end of myself, quite honestly. Right. <laughs> yep. Um, I can relate. <laughs> yeah. And, and it was at that point where I began to find my joy in motherhood. Mm-hmm. I began to like, okay, I'm so blessed. I love being a mom. I love my kids. 
the relationship was different. And, you know, that's our middle child, our fifth. And we went on to have four more after her, you know, and I walk differently in my motherhood now than I did then. And and honestly, my oldest four, five children probably have a little different mom than my younger four do, right? And and they compare notes. I will tell you <laughs> that for sure. Uh, we've heard some comments from our older ones about the things that the younger ones get that they never got. <laughs> but um, that's all part of it, right? You know, we're always learning and growing. Yep. I wondered if you've ever gone to counseling. There have been many times where I've noticed in my life that when that pressure is on, it brings me back to something that, you know, it trips something, triggers something in me. You know, I had not until about a year ago. So my whole life, no, I was just, I was powering through and, and I was powering through not alone. I was powering through with the Lord, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But um, it wasn't until about a year ago when I started to have some like physical things going on. And I went to my doctor and said, help me. I, I'm starting to have some of these physical like losses of memory, can't complete sentences, some of these neurological things. And and I thought, you know, what am I getting early onset something? And mm-hmm. and that doctor said to me, you know, we probably need to deal with some of this PTSD um, before we can, you know, like I can address some of this, but we probably need to deal with some of that baggage. And I thought, you're all wet. You have no idea. You know, like I am a new creation in Christ. When I came to the Lord at 15, old ways passed away, new ways are come. I am like shellacked, like nonstick coding, you know, like that stuff doesn't stick to me. And I walked in that from much of my motherhood. I I fully believed that it didn't touch me and it didn't affect my motherhood. But I do find now that it has, you know, it's affected my relationships with my children, some in beautiful and really great ways, right? Um, and some ways not, you know, and and that's part of humanity is that we need to work and heal through the wounding that we've received in our childhood and to walk in that newness of life and 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 be able to help our children later on in their lives work through the wounding that we've sadly given them but it happens and it that's does. part yeah and that's part of god then refining them to use the things in our life and their childhood to to form them into what he has for them and and what he has planned for them as well that's one of the beautiful things now being a grandmother for me is that both of my children have children. And now yeah. that opens up some conversations for me to say, I would have done this differently with you if I were doing it all over again. And to have those conversations so they know I'm acknowledging the fact that some of what they experienced in their childhood was because I didn't have all the resources I needed and I wasn't handling things the way I should have. And as moms, there's so much pressure to be perfect. But um, I, right now, I just love being honest with them. It's like yeah. acknowledging that I didn't do it perfect. Oh, for sure. And, you know, we that I'm sorry. I just flat out didn't understand. I didn't know if I yeah. could know now what I if I could know then what I know now, but, you know, like even the situation with my fifth child, I see now that was postpartum depression Mm -hmm. with that little infant 
I didn't know that, you know, this mm-hmm. was before all the internet stuff. I, I, I just wasn't aware. And I see that now, but I yeah. didn't then, you know? And so, you know, we, we do, we need to apologize and we need to, to learn and grow. And then, like I said, I, I really, um, I really want to speak into the lives of young moms and encourage them because I was there, you know, that was, that was my life. That segues perfectly into talking about your podcast. Tell us a little bit about your podcast as we start to wrap up. Sure. Uh, It's called the mom next door stories of faith. And really it is testimonies because I love hearing what the Lord has done. And I love hearing transformation. I love hearing what he's done in situations in people's lives. And, you know, all through all these years of motherhood and the interactions with other moms and, you know, friends, mom, a a friend who's, who I meet at ballet lessons or in our homeschool co-op or in, in all the places, I hear these amazing stories and We have this belief sometimes that because I'm not famous, I don't have a platform, I've not written a book or have a TV show or a podcast or whatever, that my story doesn't matter. And it's really not that important, Mm. but it's not true. You know, like the lives of everyday moms, God is working in amazing ways. And, and we're called in Psalms to step up and tell the next generation to give God the glory and, and to share of the great things he's done. And so, so that's what I do on that podcast is I, I love just connecting with women who have a story of faith to tell. And, and when I hear those stories, when I listen to what God has done in their lives, it reminds me that he can do it in mine. And it gives me hope for a future. Uh, we do talk about some practical things. You know, I try to, it's not just like a one, it's a, it's a wide variety. And I've been, a few people have suggested that I niche down a little bit and just talk about one subject. And I'm like, no, can't do that. Uh, that may be, you know, another one of my superpowers might be a little ADHD. And so like, I, I need to talk about all the things because what's a mom, a mom's a doctor, right. a cook, uh, exactly. you know, like a counselor. And we have, and if it's not a testimony that directly relates to me and my life, you betcha, I'm going to have a friend who mm-hmm. needs to hear it and who can find encouragement in that. And so I love it. It's been, it's been so Oh, wonderful. Such a blessing to be able to interact with women and, and hear their stories. I just, I love it. It's changed my life. I know that people can find your podcast if they go to your website, because you have other resources there. So where do you send people to find that? Sure. It's just tendingfields.net, but you can find it on uh, Apple podcasts and all the places where you, where you listen to your podcast. Yeah. So look for the mom next door stories of faith. I will link to both Pam's website and her podcast in the show notes for people who are looking for that. Um, Pam, you were talking about how you have a podcast that you can tell other people's stories because other people find hope in it. And that's exactly why I have the Life Repurposed podcast. So as we wrap up today, I'd love to know what you want to say to that listener out there who is looking for that hope, looking for that encouragement. I think surrender. We find our hope in surrender, right? Because that's when we surrender, our new life begins. 
And so, you know, no matter where you are and in what stage of life, what stage of parenting, when we just lay down our own goals, our own ambitions, our own expectations about what things should be, what it should look like, and instead just offer it to the Lord and allow him to lead us. He, he's got such a better way, so much more. And I'm just so thankful for that, for what he's done in my life and, and what I know he can do in yours as well. Thank you so much for getting behind the microphone and telling a little part of your story today. Yeah, I'm so appreciative for this opportunity. You will find the show notes for this episode at michellerayburn.com slash 158. And there I will also mention any resources that Pam and I talked about in the interview. And I'll reveal to you what the bonus is for this episode. So make sure that you are subscribed to my mailing list so that you get those bonus downloads each week when they come out with podcast episodes. I'll see you next time. Thanks so much for being here. You've been listening to Life Repurposed. If you'd like bonus resources sent to your inbox each week, be sure to sign up at michellerayburn.com. 